Now hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John. So, when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give you, for on him God the Father has set his seal. And then they said to him, What, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. And so they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. For the past two weeks, we've walked in the Gospel of Mark. We've seen as Jesus was revealed in both the mundane of bread and in the spectacular of walking on water. We've heard the invitation to encounter Jesus and a challenge to have a kingdom imagination. And now we move from Mark's gospel to John's gospel for the next four weeks in our lectionary. Mark is a gospel about training new disciples in the good news of Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God. John's gospel is written later to a community in turmoil, a community after the fall of the temple, as the Jewish community comes together around Torah and they see no place for Jesus. In the Greek community, the Gentiles, they see no place for Jesus unless he is one among many in the pantheon of gods. And so this community to whom John writes is searching for an identity no longer in the synagogue and away from the temples of the pagan gods, a seeking place to belong. And they're drawing lines as they have to. They're drawing lines of who's in and who's out, who truly believes in Jesus and who makes lip service as Jesus as one among many. And John tells us the purpose of his gospel. 
As he writes, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these signs are written so that you may believe, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. John's Gospel is a call to place trust in Jesus as the Christ and in that trust to receive life. So we join in John's Gospel really right, right in the same place that we left off Mark's. Jesus has fed the 5,000 on the hillside by the Sea of Galilee. He sent the disciples across the sea. He's walked on water. He's come to the shore of the plains of Nazareth outside of Capernaum. And now, as we heard last week, the disciples had hardened hearts, not understanding the feeding of the 5,000, not understanding about bread from heaven. And now we come to Jesus challenging those who have gathered around, challenging the motives of the crowd as he says to them, you are seeking me not because you saw wonders, not because you saw a miracle of the multiplication of loaves and fishes, but instead you're seeking me because your bellies are full. Do not work for food that perishes, for food that satisfies for a single meal and you're hungry again. Instead, work for that food that endures to eternal life. We can hear in this the challenge to that first century church looking out and seeing everybody against them, wondering where their next meal will come from, wondering how they will survive economically, cut off from the communities that have sustained them, a community that wants their bellies filled and is tempted to turn away from Christ. We can hear the challenge to the early 21st century church. If I preach truth, how can I keep the pews filled and the lights on and the mortgage paid? If I preach truth and people don't like it, how will I be paid? We had the opportunity several years ago to hear Kent Carlson, a pastor of a large church in Thousand Oaks, California, part of the seeker movement that wanted to make church accessible to a new generation, making church look much like the cultural culture around them, with good music, an impressive production, with a message of self-help and encouragement. And Kent says, we were good at it. We had the Disney model down, we made them laugh, we made them cry, we made them want to come again. And he said, one day, I was standing there after worship with our sound guy. He was fantastic, did sound and lights, made production wonderful. And he looked at me and said, you know, Kent, we're getting so good at this, I don't know that we even need God to make a good worship service. Kent said, that was the time that I realized that we were working with perishable food. We were working with the ways of mankind. We were using the tools of this 
world and not the tools of the kingdom. We were calling people to be the same as they were. We were calling them to transformation. Jesus calls us to transformation. The crowd recognizes this and they ask, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus responds, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. You know, oftentimes we, we think of belief as this intellectual assent. I, I believe, I believe, but I don't have to do anything about it. I think of the old story of the tightrope walker. And he has this rope strung between two buildings in the middle of downtown. And he says to the crowd around him, do you believe that I can walk across? Some say yes, some say no. He walks across, he walks back. He says, now you believe that I can walk across. And he picks up a backpack loaded with 200 pounds of weights. And he says, do you believe I can carry 200 pounds across and back? Some wonder, and some are bold enough to say, we've seen you do this, I think you can. So he carries this backpack, 200 pounds of weight, across and back. He says to him, do you believe I can carry a person, a 200 pound man on my back, across and back? You've seen me carry this weight. Do you think I can do it with a person? By this time, they're starting to think this guy can do it. And someone says, I believe you can. And the man says, great, climb on my back. Belief takes action or it's simply an idea. Jesus calls us to believe that he is the Christ, that he is the Son of God, that he is our ruler, our provider, our protection, that he leads us along the green pastures and by the still waters. That even in the face of our enemies, he prepares a feast and keeps us safe. Belief is developing the muscle memory of faith. You know, some of you have read about the courageous act of Simone Biles, one of the greatest gymnasts of any generation certainly of our generation, who pulled out of the Olympics because her head wasn't in the right spot to do the degree of difficulty of the tricks that she does, of the, of the athletic feats that she does. And I read a great article about what the twisties are in gymnastic terms. And to do those flips and twists is unnatural for us. And so as a gymnast learns those, a coach calls out, straighten, land, and calls out the point in that rotation where they have to come out. And it's practiced, and it's practiced to the point that it's muscle memory, that there is not thought to, now I need to straighten out. But your body feels and knows that that's the time. And when your body no longer feels and knows, you're dangerous. And that's where Simone was. She had the twisties. And the way to overcome the twisties is to go back to the basics of the coach calling you out over the foam pit. Land! The same with our faith. 
to, as Paul says, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling of the gospel to which you have been called. To walk in belief requires us to develop that muscle memory of faith, knowing that at the next step, Christ will be there. Knowing that as we put in our trust in God, God puts his strength in us. And God doesn't leave us without the coaches and the tools to live and to learn to walk in this manner. We have the liturgy that we practice each week. In our catechesis class today, we talked about how the Lord's Prayer guides us into the full story of faith. We have the Psalms and the daily office that train us in the way of Scripture, that train us to hold in the, our muscle memory the words of faith. We were driving in the car yesterday. Driving, were we driving or we were sitting and, and Morgan starts reciting the opening words of Scripture to morning prayer. Those things that are simply in her memory, in her heart, from the daily office. We have the tools of prayer, of thanksgiving, of looking back and recognizing where we have seen God at work in our lives. The prayer of examen, to see where we have seen God at work, to where we have ignored his invitation, to where we have hope for tomorrow. As we lose sight, as we often do, of this muscle memory of faith, we have tools that draw us back. I've talked before about the four S's of spiritual self-care, of sleep, of silence, of Sabbath, and solitude. The ways that we go back to that foam pit and redevelop our muscle memory of faith. We have ways that we practice in small daily acts, saying grace before meals, reminding ourselves that our daily bread comes not from our hands, but from the hands of God. So we practice our faith in seeing God at work. We build our faith in seeing God's call in our lives. We practice our faith in the tithe as we give 10% to the work of God in the church, we recognize that God fills the gap even when we can't see it in our budget. That is a way of building the muscles of faith, knowing that God provides the difference. As we develop this muscle memory of faith, of walking faithfully in the way that God has called us, we hear God's call to us, we receive God's gift to us. As Paul reminds us, Christ who descended is the Christ who ascended, and he gave gifts to men. He gave gifts to the church. He gave to the church those who were called to be apostles, to carry and manifest the kingdom of God in new places, to manifest the kingdom of God in their workplace, in their neighborhood, in the other communities in which they're involved. The call to the prophets, the call to speak the truth of God to the people of God, to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable, to remind us 
of those in need to remind us to walk in faith. The call to the evangelists, those who are given to the church to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to those who are waiting, whether they know they're waiting or not, whether they know for what they are waiting or not. The evangelist goes with the good news that the kingdom of God is at hand call and the gifting of those who shepherd, the pastors, those called to tend to the people of God, bringing healing with tenderness, speaking the truth in love, reminding those who are hurting of the healing power of God, reminding those who are lonely of the love of God. Finally, the gift of teachers, those who are called to train the people of God in the ways of God, to open scripture, to see God at work in the history of the people of God and in our lives today. These develop the muscle memory of faith in the work of the church. These are the ones, these are the callings and the gifts to which you have been called. Yes, you have been given to the church for the work of the ministry. You have been called and equipped as the saints to be the image of God to a people who need to see God, to be light to those who are in darkness and life to those who walk in the shadow of death. You are called to be those people. I see a little worry in some of your eyes. Much like the worry of that crowd that they said, you know, Rabbi, what you say sounds really good. And we, we, we want to do that. Just, just give us a sign. Just give us a sign and, and we'll believe. How ironic that this people who have just witnessed a sign of bread given from the hands of God as Christ took the loaves blessed them, broke them, and gave them, and fed from five loaves and two fishes over 5,000 men, and the women and children also, probably up to 20,000 people, fed in what could be held in, one, in two hands, five loaves and two fish. They have seen this miracle, and Jesus challenges them, and they say, hey, we want a sign. Jesus says, I am the great name of God. 
I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. This is difficult to walk in. This takes a muscle memory of faith because it's so unnatural to us to walk in this kind of belief. I remember well wrestling with God. As I was about to retire, you know, I really thought that I was going to be a vocational deacon and go on and, and to be a permanent deacon, to, to not be a priest, not be transitional and become a priest, but to be a vocational deacon, to serve the church in the ways of, of helping and healing, but not necessarily as a priest, and certainly not as a parish priest. That was so far from my idea of what God was, what I wanted God to call me to. And yet I was feeling this call not to part-time ministry and part-time veterinary medicine, but to full-time ministry. And I remember walking along looking at a significant pay cut and wondering how, how I could make up the difference. And I'm walking along praying, God, how can I feel feed my family? I do this? How, how can I feed my family? I, I just don't see it. And the response that I got in my prayer was God saying to me, that's my job, not yours. That's a call to step out in faith. <coughs> that was a little over five years ago. And God is faithful, my friend. Even with that pay cut, we didn't drop our charitable giving. We really didn't cut that back that much. I, I can look at what comes in and what goes out, and I can't explain it. So I've stopped looking. But God is faithful, and God is enough. And so we each face that difficult discernment of walking in faith of discerning how God is calling each of us to be a gift to the church as an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, or a teacher. Yes, God calls each of us to be equipped for the work of the ministry, to be the saints of the church, whether we're four or much older than that. We are called to be the saints of the church, equipped for every ministry. And that muscle memory of faith begins at this table, at the invitation to encounter Christ in the body and blood, the invitation to receive the bread of life, to receive that which God offers, and the invitation to be sent out in faith, in the power of the Holy Spirit, to manifest the kingdom of God as we each walk, putting our belief in Jesus, the one sent from heaven. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.